When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly, and I'd like to welcome to the show, Brennan Smith. Brennan, welcome to Pod Dylan. Hey, thanks for having me on here. I'm very happy to have you on. You reached out to me and you told me that you were a big Dylan fan and you liked the show, and I'm always happy to talk to new Dylan fans out there. Now, before we get to the song in question, which is Lily, Rosemary, and the Jack of Hearts from Bob Dylan's 1975 magnum opus, Blood on the Tracks. Uh, I always want to ask any new guests, like, how did you find your way to Bob Dylan? Like, how did you, you know, how did you discover the music? Oh, it was a slow path for me. I actually um, was kind of obsessed with Jack White. I know you've talked about him before on the show, actually, the White Stripes. Right. And um, I'd kind of find he'd be, he'd play a lot of covers and a lot of, uh, he was a heavily influenced by Bob Dylan. And I kind of noticed that I was a fan for about 15 years. Like, I loved him, followed him on tour and all that stuff. Named my kid after him, actually. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. So, uh, and then I kind of noticed, like, all my favorite Jack songs, especially live, were Bob Dylan covers. And uh, I think the thing that kept me from really delving into Dylan was just the expansiveness of his discography. <laughs> like, where, do, where do I start? <laughs> yeah, and I am a completionist. Like, if I'm listening to oh, one... Oh, okay. <laughs> So it was just kind of, so what I did was I started right at Bob Dylan and went all the way through. And I think it was around, like, I was a fan. I liked that folk stuff. And then uh, I think Bring It All Back Home or maybe Highway uh, 51 was when I was kind of just blown away. I mean, he was doing stuff. No one was doing stuff like that in the mid-60s. And then uh, Blonde on Blonde, I mean, that just put me in a whole new place. That that was, it was wild uh, listening to Blonde on Blonde. And then... um, just kind of kept going. That was Blonde on Blonde was when I realized this isn't just a, I'm not just listening to this anymore. I think this is kind of my guy now. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's when I started kind of swapping my uh, Jack White posters for Bob Dylan posters. <laughs> you know, the family's like, whoa, is this, is this really happening? Like someone, <laughs> he's serious. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is crazy. So that, and then uh, I think I'm one of the rare guys. I'd take anything of Bob's from that 73 to 83 era, I think is his finest work. So once I got into that 70s stuff, that was when I was, like, blown on the tracks. Street Legal is probably one of my favorite albums, actually. Yay! That stuff. And then after some of his, uh, I was kind of a slow uh, burn on that, the Christian stuff, but that um, Shot of Love I actually really, really like, too. And kind of all that stuff, there's really great production value on all that. And I don't know, it's just been uh, kind of slow. It's only been for about a year and a half that I've really, really been interested in Dylan and Wow! Kind of catch, That's, catch oh my up. God! You got all the albums in a year and a half? Yeah, I got them all on vinyl, actually. Yeah. Whoa! I know. Yeah. yeah. That's so commitment. Holy! Yeah, within God. about six months, I had them all, and I, there was some. Like I, I live up in rural Canada. It's uh, tough to find some of the, these vinyl. I was bringing them in from Europe and stuff like that, trying to. Like I said, I'm a completionist, so if I had one missing, I was going to try to find it. So some of those, uh, some of those uh, kind of early '90s stuff and even late '80s uh, were tough to find, but I managed it. That's impressive. That's very impressive. Wow. Ah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and now I'm uh, now I'm doing the same thing with bootlegs. I'm trying to find a lot of the bootleg stuff because that is some of his stuff, best material, especially some of those uh, studio sessions mm-hmm. where he unfortunately 
made a few decisions that weren't uh, <laughs> maybe questionable, maybe yeah. not. So, sometimes, you know, sometimes. He's a, yeah. he's a genius. I can't. I'm not going to doubt what he does. But I mean, I've heard some of the alternative stuff for infidels and stuff like that, and there's some there's some gems. That's for sure. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, you were talking about Jack White. I mean, I have a. Uh... A live recording of the two of them together, where they yeah. where they yeah. sing a Jack White song, "Ball and Biscuit." Yeah, and, it's not, yeah. And I I can only imagine what well I can't imagine what it must feel like to be a musician and to look at Bob Dylan as your hero, and then to share the stage with him as well, he's singing one of your songs. And that he was actually he was doing that song during his um, like the pre-show their uh, rehearsals. That's how he like Bob Dylan was actually doing that song for the tour. That's how we. That's why they. Did that song, which is an oh, interesting. Thing. That's, yeah, that's just amazing. That's and he's really into it. The the, the bootleg oh, yeah. I have of it, you can tell he's really having a lot of fun singing it. And so that's that's just got to be so amazing to have your hero singing singing your words. That's oh, absolutely that's amazing. Another, I guess if you listen to Ball and Biscuit, and I get, we're talking about Blood on the Tracks today, that song is heavily influenced by Meet Me in the Morning. It's the uh, exact same kind of guitar instrumental, and uh, so that's pretty interesting too. Mm-hmm. So it was probably a little easier for Bob to. Uh, Get into that one. Probably, yeah. And as I said, speaking of Blood on the Tracks, as I said, we're here to talk about Lily, Rosemary, and the Jack of Hearts, which is on side two of Blood on the Tracks. Now, you know, anybody that's listened to the show, I've done 40 previous episodes. I mean, I pretty much think all Bob Dylan songs are great. Even the not great ones are pretty great. But there's levels of greatness. Uh, and I think this is up there. This is up oh, there yeah. with the greatest of the great. This is a song, it's a story song. Uh, it is the only song on Blood on the Tracks that is not first person or, mm-hmm. you know, directly seems to be involving the singer. It's a, I mean, Tangled Up in Blue is a story song and Shelter of the Storm is a story song to a certain extent. But Lily and Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts is, you know, expressly happening to a bunch of separate people. It's 15 verses. Uh, it moves at an incredible clip. And for a song that is 15 verses long with no chorus, it is just the story from beginning to end. This thing never gets boring, ever. I have listened to this song at this point, oh God, probably thousands of times by now. <laughs> and I, I get wrapped up, wrapped up in it every single time. And there's, you know, of course, like so many Dylan songs, it works on multiple levels. Because first of all, you're just trying to keep track of the story, of what's Absolutely. going on of all these characters. Because not only is there Lily, Rosemary, and the Jack of Hearts, there's Big Jim, there's the Hanging Judge, there's lots of other ancillary characters to keep track of, and they're all crisscrossing one another. And then, of course, there's the sort of interplot of, well, okay, what is Bob saying about mm-hmm. what's going on? What's the theme of this song? Why is it on Blood on the Tracks? Why, you know, all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. all, all of a sudden we're jerked into like this whole other universe of these characters, and then he goes right back to the I and You songs right after this. Yep. So why did you, 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 we, you know, we talked about what songs we, you wanted to talk about. Like, why did you want to pick this one? Oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I mean, it's a brilliant song, first and foremost. Um, and also, yeah, like, there's that thing, why Blood on the Tracks? I mean, this song would fit so well in Desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. almost, I mean, right along with Isis and stuff. Um, and uh, I don't, it, there's just so much going on. I mean, there's that whole... I read a quote somewhere when I was kind of just doing a little research on it, and one guy summed it up perfectly. It's like right when you start to think you're understanding the song, something else kind of slips. It kind of slips through your hands. Like you read the next verse, and it's like, wait, that kind of contradicts what just happened. <laughs> and there's all, and there's just so many interesting um, theories to the song too. That uh, there, there's some crazy. And I, another thing is, I think this. I know he was in talks. He was actually helping write a screenplay uh, for a movie just based on this song because yeah. it's so it's so dense and it, there's so much going on and it, it's it's a brilliant story song like it's yeah one of his finest uh 
and but it's still got that Bob Dylan where you you will never no one will ever pinpoint no one will ever be able to say this is what this song's about no matter and this you think a song like this this should should be one where you could you know it's a story there's a there's a narrative and it's it seems pretty simplistic when you first listen to it then the more you listen to it the more you kind of second guess yourself and I find that pretty interesting yeah, he leaves a lot out. There's lots of motivations here that you're like, okay, wait a minute, what? hold on. And so so the opening uh, couple of verses here we've got, he sets up the scene. The festival was over, the boys were all planning for a fall. The cabaret was quiet except for the drilling in the wall. The curfew had been lifted and the gambling wheel shut down. Anyone with any sense had already left town. He was standing in the doorway looking like the jack of hearts. Okay, we got a little bit of a setup here. There's, there's, there's the cabaret was quiet except for the drilling in the wall. The boys were planning for a fall. Okay, so we've got some sort of bank robbers or some sort yeah. of thieves. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. And you've got the, the, the guy, Jack of Hearts. He's here looking like the Jack of Hearts. Okay, I got a little bit of a, all right, I understand what's going on. He moved, he moved across the mirrored room, set it up for everyone, he said. Then everyone commenced to do what they were doing before he turned their heads. He walked up to a stranger and asked him with a grin, could you, tiny, could you kindly tell me, friend, what time the show begins? Then he moved into the corner, face down like the Jack of Hearts. So now all of a sudden we've got the Jack of Hearts <laughs> being reflected as the card, the Jack of Hearts. He's buying a round of drinks for everybody, basically getting them soused so he can have his guys drilling in the wall in another room. So I was like, okay, great. I, you know, we got, we're, we're, I got a handle on this. And then so the third verse is backstage. The girls were playing five-card stud by the stairs. Lily had two queens. She was hoping for a third to match her pair. Outside, the streets were filling up. The window was open wide. A gentle breeze was blowing. You could feel it from inside. Lily called another bet and drew up the jack of hearts. Now, I love that line about a gentle breeze was blowing. You could feel it from inside. Because it's like, that doesn't add anything to the story. <laughs> but it just gives you a nice sense of place. It's like, this, is, this yep. is the summertime. We're in a kind of western town maybe we're not exactly maybe. sure yeah. where we are i mean because in the in the fourth verse we have another character big jim big jim was no one's fool he owned the town's only diamond mine he made his usual entrance looking so dandy and so fine with his bodyguards and silver cane and every hair in place he took whatever he wanted to and he laid it all to waste but his bodyguards bodyguards and silver cane were no match for the jack of hearts now, I love the line about the town's only diamond mine because I looked that up. There are no diamond mines in the United None. States. Nope. So, Especially oh, if this yeah. is, was supposed to be kind of a historic uh, song. It kind of seems like it's set, you know, in the Old West. That there was This is a fabrication. Uh, right. Yeah, you're like, okay, we may not actually be in America. We always assume <laughs> we are because uh, you said, like you said, it's got an Old West feel. Yep. But, you know, there is no diamond mines. Okay, so now we've got Big Jim. We've got him coming in. And then he introduces yet another character. Rosemary combed her hair and took a carriage into town. She slipped into the side door looking like a queen without a crown. Mm -hmm. She fluttered her far, 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 she fluttered, this is tough to say, let alone sing. <laughs> she fluttered her, fluttered her false eyelashes and whispered in his ear, Sarlon darling, that I'm late, but he didn't seem to hear. He was staring into space over at the Jack of Hearts. So, all right, we've got Big Jim He's leery of the Jack of Hearts. He knows there's trouble. We've got Rosemary looking like a queen when just a couple of verses earlier, Lily needs a third queen. She's got two. She needs a third. So now we've introduced a queen into this story. And it's a, and this is all done at a very fast pace. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it is amazing to me that Dylan, just on a purely singing level, I mean, again, the man is not known for being a great singer, but the, the, the diction of this is very clear. 
you're you're, you're yes. constantly sort of oriented to where you are, even though there's a lot of details coming at you. I, and I also think his voice, well, on this whole album, but on this song, it is probably at his peak in terms of, like, he's always a great vocalist. He's able to kind of uh, personify the songs and the characters. But in this song, it actually sounds good, too, I think, like, just from a musical standpoint. And you were mentioning how uh, you were saying it's even tough to say. Well, maybe that's why he's only played this song live once, too. Yeah, he's only. Yeah, we were, <laughs> I was going to mention that this song has been performed live once. <laughs> you, apparently, I I read something. He actually had a few uh, phrases written on his sleeve during that one live performance because he was scared he was going to forget. Uh, <laughs> so that's pretty, that's pretty interesting too. He performed it live May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy six, and that was the only time it was ever done. So Bob clearly he was like, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing this again." Uh, that's it. It's enough of that. So then we get we get a little more backstory of we have Jim. He says, "I've no I've seen that I know I've seen that face somewhere." Big Jim was thinking to himself, "Maybe down in Mexico or a picture upon somebody's shelf." But then the crowd began to stamp their feet and the house lights to dim. And in the darkness of the room, there was only Jim and him staring at the butterfly who just drew the Jack of Hearts. So then we go and move on to Lily. Lily was a princess. She was fair-skinned and precious as a child. She did whatever she had to do. She had that certain flash every time she smiled. She came away from a broken home, lots of strange affairs with men in every walk of life, which took her everywhere. But she never met anyone quite like the Jack of Hearts. These people had relationships with this Jack of Hearts guy. You know, mm-hmm. they, they know him. They don't know him exactly, but they're they're aware of him and they've had some dealings with him to this point. And there's another reference to royalty, too. We've got princess. Lily was right. a princess. Uh, I'm not sure why. I've looked into it a lot. I, <laughs> I don't never really become too clear on that. But, yeah, there's definitely a running line here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, everybody said there's queens and princesses and kings. Jack. I mean, of course, everybody's also, you know, suited by the cards and whatever. So we go through another verse where they introduce the hanging judge. They talk about the drone in the wall. So the, the gang is continuing to, to work their way into the into the wall to steal stuff. And then we get into this this section here. Rosemary started drinking hard and seeing her reflection in the knife. She was tired of the attention, tired of playing the role of Big Jim's wife. She had done a lot of bad things, even once tried suicide was looking to do just one good deed before she died. She was gazing to the future, riding on the Jack of Hearts. Now, of all the verses, I think this one's my favorite. There's so much going on in this verse. Uh, there's a lot of foreshadowing, too. Like, yes. this doesn't mean, the first time you hear it, this it's kind of a throwaway verse. It, I mean, there's a lot of strong uh, addiction and suicide and things like that, but uh, once the song's over and you look back, it's like, wow, this, <laughs> this kind of showed everything uh, right here. It showed its hand right here, you could say. Right. I mean, it's the idea of Chekhov's gun, where, you know, you bring in a gun in the first act, you got to fire it by the third act. Well, okay, Bob has brought in a knife. Ro- Rosemary has got a knife. That knife is going to be used in some respect as the song goes on, because we've, you know, it stands out. It really jumps out the way he sings. Her, seeing her reflection in the knife, he has like this yep. kind of like quick little terse way he sings it, and you're like, okay. Yeah, th- this is going to come back into play later on. Yeah, just just one, one good deed before she died, too. That's... Uh kind of saying something there that's an Gaze amazing into, line that's an amazing into line. the future yeah that whole that whole that's i think that's my favorite verse in the song there's uh the way he sings it too there's a lot of power to it it's it's it's, it's really uh startling so then we go down and lily lily has finished the show which is presumably some sort of burlesque show because they talk about she washed her face off took her washed her face took her dress off and buried it away now she's in her dressing room with the jack of hearts Yes. Because she asked him, has your luck run out? She laughed at him. Well, I guess you must have known it would someday. I love this line. Be careful not to touch the wall. There's a brand new coat of paint. 
Yep. And that seems to suggest that Lily knows that Jack of Hearts is robbing the place. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I agree. Uh, there's some sort of connection. And once again, that's one of the things that's very vague. But it does seem like she's at least aware of his, uh, of his plan. I'm not sure if she's a part of it. But it's once again, it's foreshadowing. There's a lot of that. I mean, the song, there's just so many layers. And you don't really know what's going on until the end. And even then, you're second-guessing yourself. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So they, we'll talk about, there's a, they introduced the, the backstage manager, a leading actor hurried by in the costume of a monk. Now we get to a verse. There is one verse that was omitted from this song. There is a previous version uh, that was done when Bob recorded uh, the tracks in uh, New York. And yep. it's a much slower version mm-hmm. of the song. And you would think that a song that is so peppy and, and, and upbeat, uh, up-tempo at least, that yep. when if you hear a slow version, it would be really boring. But I actually like the slow version quite a bit. Oh yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I I actually I find it's a little easier to follow almost. I do. I prefer the faster version, but Me the too. slow version. I uh, the slower version. It's nice if you're kind of, like it would be a good if you want to listen to it for the first time to understand the story, or if you're trying to understand the story a little bit. It's a great version. He kind of uh, slows it down, and I don't know. I, I it's still a very good version. That whole New York session is wonderful. If anyone ever wants to check it out, it was actually uh, recorded in the studio. He did all of his 60s work, and there's a a little bit of that acoustic feel to it. Yeah. Uh, So the verse that's missing is, and it's still, it's on BobDylan.com. It's still listed among the song's lyrics. It's, Lily's arms were locked around the man that she dearly loved to touch. She forgot all about the man she couldn't stand who hounded her so much. I've missed you so, she said to him, and he felt she was sincere. But just beyond the door, he felt jealousy and fear. It was just another night in the life of the Jack of Hearts. And, you know, I've, I've talked about it on the show before. It's a foolhardy gesture to try and figure out what Bob is thinking uh, at any given point. Uh, so, but I, I've, I've also, you know, I've bothered to play that game. And I'd like to wonder, like, why did he omit this one verse? Out of all the verses, why did this one get lifted? And yeah. the, only, the only conclusion I can come to is that this is the only verse that is told from the point of view of the Jack of Hearts. And I right. wonder if that's the reason he took it out. Because, you know, all the other verses, Jack of Hearts is this sort of unknowable figure yeah. that everybody else is, we're getting their point of view of him. This one, we're actually seeing and feeling what he feels. And I wonder if Dylan didn't think that was revealing a little too much about the Jack of Hearts by getting into his head. Especially if you uh, listen to some of the, I guess, the what people feel about the song where the Jack of Hearts is Bob Dylan. Mm. And that's certainly because a lot of these... Uh, the revising he did in Minnesota was because he felt it was too personal. Uh, so that would definitely work for that too, I guess. I mean, yeah, like who knows what he's thinking, but that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could, uh, that's definitely a good point. I find it interesting that the that that verse is still on the official lyrics page of his website as if, you know, well, he's, he's, he's not, like it, he, not like he wanted to get rid of it. He would, he could get yeah. rid of it if he wanted to. Yeah. And, but I mean, it does connect the story a little bit more. There's definitely, it's nice to have in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it shows that there is a relationship between Lily and the Jack of Hearts, if you were unsure before. And there, it's more foreshadowing too, with that just beyond the door, he felt jealousy and fear. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a great, another great verse, but the first time I ever heard this bootleg version, I didn't know that it had an extra verse. So I'm yeah. just listening to it. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. It's a slow version. And then all of a sudden it was words I'd never heard before. I was like, what? You know, like, what? I didn't yeah. know this. I didn't know this was a thing. I was so excited. I was so, yeah. I was so thrilled. It's like another, it's like skipping over a chapter of a book and then rereading it and seeing that you missed a whole chapter. It's yeah. 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 Nice. Absolutely. <laughs> So, so then we cut back to the story. It says, no one knew the circumstance, but they say that it happened pretty quick. The door to the dressing room burst open, and a cold revolver clicked. And Big Jim was standing there. You couldn't say surprised. 
was very right beside him, steady in her eyes. She was with Big Jim, but she was leaning to the Jack of Hearts. Two doors down, the boys finally made it through the wall. They cleaned out the bank safe. It said they got off with quite a haul. Okay, so we got the, the, the guys have, have completed the robbery. In the darkness by the riverbed, they waited on the ground for one more member who had business back in town, but they couldn't go no further without the Jack of Hearts. So I love the idea that just as Dylan cuts to the action, a gun has been pulled out, all the characters, Lily and Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts are all in the same room and Big Jim. He cuts away. He cuts, he cuts away to the guys down at the riverbed. You're like, wait, get back to the story, Bob. What happened? You know, it's like, oh, my God, he's, you're killing me here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what I think makes the uh, – like if you would have had another verse there, maybe there would be well quite a few less questions, right? But it's that uh, ambiguity that he always likes to kind of insert in his songs and – I don't know. It's just classic Bob, I think, here. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a murder mystery. And it's like, the murderer is, and then you cut away. You're like, ah, what are you doing to me? So then, so then we flash forward to the next day. Yeah, exactly. The it's next, not even like he yeah, cuts back yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next day was hang a day. The sky was overcast and black. Big Jim lay covered up, killed by a penknife in the back. There we go. We got the knife. Yeah, the knife is back. Yeah. So, of course, Big Jim's revolver, uh, it mentions that it was cold, which I presume means, like, it was old or wasn't working correctly. <laughs> So uh, Big Jim Lake covered up, killed by a pinup in the back, and Rosemary on the gallows, she didn't even blink. The hanging judge was sober. He hadn't had a drink. The only person on the scene missing was the Jack of Hearts. So Rosemary goes to the gallows, having done one good thing before she dies. And, of course, she's, you know, they talk, he talks about in the previous verse that she once tried suicide. So Rosemary is ready for death. Mm-hmm. So even on the gallows, she didn't even blink. Like she didn't even hesitate. It's like, okay, no. go hang me. And out of yeah. all, this, all this trouble, Jack of Hearts, he skips town. Yep, exactly. And uh, another interpretation of her, she didn't even blink, could be that she has been hung already, right, too? I've read that because there's been some, uh, you know, some people are like, maybe the Jack is waiting and he's going to save her because where'd he go? But uh, I don't know. It's one of those things. This is so open-ended. Yeah, there's a lot here you can you can read into if you want. So then the final verse is, the cabaret was empty now. A sign said, closed for repair. Lily had already taken all the dye out of her hair. She was thinking about her father, who she very rarely saw, thinking about Rosemary and thinking about the law. But most of all, she was thinking about the Jack of Hearts. And then the song fades out on a harmonica burst. And, you know, you it's, this is one of those things that even though it's about eight and a half minutes or almost nine minutes, to me, the initial feeling you get after hearing it is like, I want to hear that again. Yeah, exactly. Let me start want, that over. I want a movie. I, I want a movie of this. I want something. <laughs> yeah. You, you can picture this as being done by like a Sam Peckinpah or a, a Robert Altman in the mid-70s, these sprawling Western town things. I mean, you know, this Jack of Hearts fits neatly in a sort of uh, song structure that Dylan has where some mysterious person comes into town, messes everything up for everybody in the town, and then departs. Yep. You know, whether it's Joker Man or the man in the long black coat, it's, he's got a history of that, of people showing up and causing crazy things to happen, which is, you know, sort of like a Blackjack Davy, which he even covered on one of his records. But yep. to me, this is almost the finest example of that, of, of someone coming in and testing all of the relationships these people thought they had with one another. Exactly. He comes in and presses everybody to their to their limits and we see what happens and then when you look back on it and you say okay well now i kind of see why this is on blood on the tracks exactly it's thematically that, i see why it's yep. here it's that theme that kind of slipping away whether it be uh friendships or, or love uh, relationships of any kind or even your your youth and it's 
It definitely, it definitely works. It works with the whole, uh, the whole album. It really, I said, it's it's side, it's song two of the second side of the B side, so it fits in really perfectly. And like I said, it's I really have never gotten tired. Of, I mean, I don't get tired of anything on Blood on the Tracks, but I really never get tired of this one. Oh. I just, it's just yeah. so well. He, Dylan sings it so well, and he sounds so confident. I mean, he's so like he's telling you this amazing story, and you are just sitting there at the edge of your seat, like, all right, all right, then what? Then what? Happened? Okay. Then you know, like he has just got you in the palm of his hand. Absolutely. And uh, that, speaking of that second side, it's actually interesting how that second side starts. It starts with "Meet Me in the Morning," right. which is also kind of tonally different than the rest, just in terms of the musicality of it. It's a very straightforward blues song compared to the rest. And then you go into this one, and it's you're kind of thinking, "Whoa, what's you know what's going on here?" These are we start with like a a very bluesy type of song, and then going into a ten minute story song. This is a different than what was going on before but uh no it's great it kind of uh reinvigorates the album almost and just keeps it, it it's a perfect song for what i consider a perfect album i think yeah it's it's it's, it's this, this nobody for an album that dylan produced himself in the mid-70s it's it's a perfectly sequenced album as well i mean yeah. everything just fits exactly where it should be and they said this thing is just so Interesting. It said, and you mentioned it was it was optioned for a couple different times as a screenplay. There was apparently the director Philip Kaufman, who directed Invasion of the Body Snatchers, was apparently got the closest to making a movie out of it in terms of like actually started working on it. But you know, like a lot of things involving Dylan, it never went anywhere, and so you know we'll never see uh, a movie version of this. But boy, I mean the, the 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 story is all right here. I mean all these characters. I mean I can visualize. Rosemary holding the knife. I can picture that in my head of what that looks like. And oh, the, yeah. bur- the burlesque show and everything else. And just the way Jack of Hearts might even look and Big Jim. I mean, he's just so descriptive. And just even in the end about Lily talking about her father. You know, he introdu- here's Dylan introducing a new character in the, la- the last verse of the song. And it's just this toss up. like, oh, Lily's been away from her dad and she misses him. And she's, she's, she's escaped all this drama and murder. And she might go and go see her dad again. And it's kind of a nice, you know, it's like a nice warm ending considering all the, you know, sort of horror we've been faced with in the previous 14 verses. No, absolutely. I mean, there's a, yeah, it's one of those songs where you can pick it apart for forever. I mean, I've, yeah, I've been, I've looked up some stuff and no one's, no one seems to have been able to solely define what's going on and it seems like there's <laughs> always something opening up i mean there's the uh i don't know if you've read anything about that au weights those uh tarot packs and how this uh those tarot cards i guess the magician um one of the one of the cards the magician it's a he's defined as a sleight of hand artist hmm. and on and on this card he's surrounded by lilies and roses oh i and didn't know i'd never heard this yeah and then interestingly enough on the next album on desire on the back of the album is one of the tarot cards. That's right. Yep. So, uh, oh boy. That's that, yeah. That was really interesting. That was uh, something I was looking into. Um, I, I don't. And why does he make a song incorporating a tarot card? That's <laughs> another thing. It's uh, I don't know. He was he was really at his kind of creative peak here. I think um, after a few years where people were kind of questioning where he was at and it, it, I, where he was getting his inspiration from is just mind blowing. I mean, he was doing doing some uh, great work and that continued on for another at least decade if not more so yeah I, it's it is hard to imagine like sort of where the headspace he could get in to write stuff like this and i've mentioned this on the show before about that there is a little red notebook apparently mm-hmm. where dylan wrote all of his butt on the tracks songs yeah. and some people have seen it and there are at least six or seven 
other songs that have never made yeah. it out, and no one really seems to know whether they were ever recorded or they <laughs> just simply exist in the form of lyrics. And I've read enough Dylan books to know that there was a there's an early recording session for Blood on the Tracks where it was designed to kind of run through all the songs that Dylan had written and decide yeah. which songs to proceed with. And people have surmised, well, if he ever was going to do you know recordings of those lost songs, that would have been the session. Yeah. But nobody seems to know what happened at that session. So nobody you know nobody knows if those songs were recorded. And you know, obviously, the whole notion. Of, uh, of of unreleased but on the track songs is just too, oh. too mind-blowing to deal with. But at the same time, that feels so greedy. Because yeah. it's like, no, I, this I, album is already a masterpiece. How much, we yeah. want more? You know, like, for no, this sake. was uh Yeah, I mean, I believe this was around when he bought the farm in Minnesota, right? And right, he was kind of right. hanging around there. Yeah, and this was kind of, he changed his writing a little bit. I mean, before he was, he'd be writing in the studio. He was writing just songs on the top of his head. This, he actually took time and flesh songs out. I think this is one of the first times he kind of did that, and it really worked out in his favor. I mean, these are uh, there's a lot of interwoven material going on here, and it's a really concise, just thematic album as a whole that he never really did before. I mean, he had like his electron electric albums and stuff like that, but this is all so tied together. It's that it's kind of that perfect breakup album, and uh, yeah, I guess when you give Bob Dylan some space and some time, and he can he can work wonders. You betcha. Yeah, this is, I mean, even among Blood on the Tracks, which to me is is uh, a flat-out masterpiece, no holds barred, no, you know, no uh, no asterisks, no nothing. It's a flat-out masterpiece. This song is even uh, top tier, even among the Blood on the Tracks songs, which is which is saying something. So, uh, yeah, Lily, Rosemary, and the Jack of Hearts, it's, it's simply amazing. And so uh, check out the, if you've never heard this song, uh, check out the link uh, in the show notes and buy the song on iTunes. You will not be disappointed because it is just is just an amazing, amazing song. So I can think it's going to do it. Brennan, like, thank you so much for coming on and wanting to talk about this one. As soon as you mentioned it, I was like, that's the one. That's what yeah, we're going to talk about. This was just so fun to talk about. Not that the other ones weren't great choices, but this one was just an immediate. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. I never get tired of talking about Bob Dylan. Well, we will have to have you come back. Uh, absolutely, we could talk more Dylan songs because there's there's only several thousand more. Yeah, exactly. Get I at this point, run out of songs anytime soon. That's for sure. No, we'll be fine. So, uh, is there anything? Anybody? Uh, is there any place online people can follow you if they want to? Oh, well, I guess I'm on Twitter at Brennan Smith Guy. That's G U Y at the end. Other than that, I'm pretty low key. I just like to. Uh, if anyone wants to talk to me about Bob Dylan, that's great. But other than that, I just I just hang out. <laughs> okay, cool enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, as always, if you want to follow uh, this show, you can follow it over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. And you can find back episodes of the show and all the other great shows on the network uh, over at fireandwaterpodcast.com. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until the next episode, uh, we'll see you later. Bye. Except for the drilling in the wall The curfew had been lifted and the gambling wheel shut down Anyone with any sense had already
doorway, looking like the jack of hearts. 